Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Well, good evening and welcome to our study tonight for this is another day that the Lord has made. In it we shall rejoice and be glad. We thank God for his many blessings. I thank him for what he is doing in our lives and what he is about to do. We truly can confess tonight that there is no God like our God. He is the only true wise and holy God, and for that, we are gracious and we are great to be a part of this God. Again, we want to say thank you for joining us tonight, and we pray that at the end of our study tonight, you would um, receive a blessing from the Lord. And remember, you can ask questions, and well, if you have some statements you want to make or suggestions, it is open. We um, not a close-ended study. Bible study, but we are open-ended Bible study. Again, welcome. Before we do anything else, let us pray, please. Our Lord and God, we thank you this night for giving us the opportunity, Father, to come again to gather and study your word, Father. Truly, there is no God like you, not in heaven, not in earth. You are the only true, wise, and holy God. And for that, I praise you, Lord, and I glorify you, magnify your holy name. Lord, as we prepare to go into your word tonight, um, we beseech your Holy Spirit to um, grant us spiritual wisdom and understanding, Father, that we may declare the word of truth. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in our hearing tonight, in our learning, and in our study tonight. And when we would have done our study tonight, we pray that you would help us to make the application of your Holy Word to our lives so that we may be better Christians in the society in which we live. And for that, we give you all the praise and we give you all the thanks. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen. We want to pick up from last week's study. We are still in the book of Acts. We're dealing with the early church about um, being empowered um, and then being um, coming in unity to impact and becoming one and being released to the world as well as to the body of Christ. So there are a couple of things we're dealing with here. One, one again, is being impacted by the Holy Spirit and then um, being released, being released by the Holy Spirit um, and also um, <clears throat> sharing in the teaching all um, into kingdom terminology um, with your brothers and sisters. Now, I said last week that 
um, the gospel or the anointing is not a, a separate type or an individualistic anointing. It is a corporate, it should be a corporate anointing if we want to get some damage done on this earth. Uh, that is to advance God's kingdom. Uh, we need to work as a corporate body. Okay, as a corporate body. Body. So tonight, I want to talk from that standpoint, the corporate anointing. Um, a couple of points I want to talk about. Well, first, we'll talk about the corporate anointing, um, and then we will talk about fatherhood in the corporate anointing. There ought to be some form of leadership or, or nurturing in the corporate anointing or in the church. And then we'll talk about the kingdom if we have time to get there and the prophetic realm. Okay, but let us start off talking about the corporate anointing. So what is a corporate anointing? The corporate anointing is where a group of men and women, and listen to my statement, men and women. It's not only for men or it's not only for women. It's for men and women, boys and girls who have ex ex received the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord in their life and have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, which now constitute them to become the ecclesia or the church, the ecclesia or the church. And now that they are the church, okay, um, it is a one body, one body, corporate body. Okay, so that is to say one person cannot house, cannot house the full anointing or the, the corporate anointing of God. You need a group of men, women, boys and girls to house the anointing. That is called corporate anointing. That is the reason why we have churches, okay? Um, well, that should be the reason. I can't say that is the reason, but that should be the reason because... Um, we come together, the Bible says forget not the assembly together, okay? So we come together, give reports, and give um, um, praise, um, victory praise report of what God has been doing throughout the week or throughout the months and um, even the year. That, that's the reason why back in those days they had so many, they had annual conventions, you know, or assemblies or the gathering of the saints, they would come together to give a report of what took place throughout the year. Okay, that's a corporate setting. So <clears throat> the corporate anointing, this term has to do with um, the simple truth that the anointing of the corporate body is much greater, far greater than just one man, okay? The one man don't run the church, okay? The corporate anointing has to do with the church or the assembly of being one body but many members. <clears throat> um, so it's not the so-called senior pastor um, or the senior minister, you know, and, his, and, and next week he have a new robe and a special group have to sing when he preach. Or, you know, um, so it, it's not that. It is the entire body of Christ, which makes the anointing, which makes the corporate anointing. Okay, so the term corporate anointing, again, 
deals with um, the entire body of Christ, um, which is, has many members, but just one body. They're coming together with one purpose, one mind, one intention, and that is to worship and to praise God. <clears throat> okay, to worship and praise God. Okay, the corporate anointing um, has nothing to do with individual agenda. You know, you have your own agenda. Um, you get saved and you ran a few revivals saying, quote, unquote, that you were successful. And now you think because you um, were successful that you can go and get your cards and, and get all your flies, makeup, and, you know, and, and give your names out to different people right, and sign you up for, for revivals and this and that and all the other stuff. That has nothing to do with corporate anointing. It's good to be anointed as an individual because your personal life ought to have integrity with it. Your personal life ought also have some type of assignment that God had given you um, to carry out in your personal life. However, the overall assignment as, as being the body of Christ is not for you. It is for the body of Christ because you are many members of, of one body. So if you, if you and I belong to one body, I am the, the left hand, you're the right hand, what, what I'm doing with my left hand is not for me, for the left side of my body, it's for the entire, it complements what the right hand is doing. The right hand complements what the left hand is doing. So the anointing that is on another person is not for him or her as an individual. I hope you're understanding um, the, uh, what, you know, the idea of this teaching. It is for the entire body of Christ. The reason why there is very little, very, very little um, um, manifestations of God's glory in the church today is because we have individual anointing. Um, and we, some, some of us are over-anointed, and we think that we are better than the other person. So that it causes us to be weak and cause the the power of God um, not to be in effective, effective in the church. So again, corporate anointing deals with the entire body. Um, this this principle principle can um, be further seen in um, I think um, Psalm one thirty three, Psalm one thirty three verses one um, <clears throat> through three. Um, we talk about um, dwelling together in brotherly love and unity and letting the anointing flows from Aaron's head even down to his beard and down to his skirt, okay, and, and, and down the rest of his body. This constitutes the idea that it flows from one level to the other level and it covers the entire body. So if the head is anointed, the neck must be anointed. And then the shoulder must be anointed because it's flowing down. You can't have anointed pastors and members not anointed. You can't have um, um, anointed deacons and missionaries not anointed. You cannot have anointed prophets and apostles are not anointed, okay, because it must flow down directionally, okay. It must flow down, flow down. Again, you must remember that the anointing of God flows and and as a corporate body, he wants us to dwell together, come together, and be in unity. So our first scripture is Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3. 
Let's turn there, please. Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 133. Okay, and it reads, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. In that, you would see you would see um, how we get our blessings. How, what is this saying? Look at it again. What is this saying? If you want the blessings of God, then we must come together, okay, dwell together. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So for the Lord to command his blessing, the word command blessing it means a worthy blessing, a blessing that I uh, that I earn a blessing that I don't even have to work for because I was obedient and you were obedient. Um, God just bless you. There are some of us who would receive blessings just automatically without even doing anything, not even thinking about anything, not even trying to be blessed. We just accidentally walk into blessings according the way we live, according the way we present our body. That's a living sacrifice. So here God is saying that if you want my blessing, I will command my blessing. And if God command a blessing, if God commands something, it must obey. So you wonder why you're not being blessed. You wonder why you're not receiving um, your the things from God that you're petitioning to God. It could very well be that you're not dwelling together in unity. Okay, in unity. Um, um, it is so good to dwell together in unity that David said it is like a precious ointment. See, see, see how, see how, see how important it is to be together to receive the anointing of God, the corporate anointing of God. David said that it is so good, it is so pre- it is so important. It is like a precious ointment upon the head that ran down, that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. So he, he's describing this, and he is actually saying that uh, um, if, if you really want to be anointed, if you really want um, the blessings of God, if you, as the body of, of the body of Christ, if you want to see growth in the church, if you want to see um, um, healing in the community, whatever the case may be, you as brothers and sisters must dwell together in unity. The church cannot grow, cannot be successful if there's no unity in the church. It must come together. It, you know, they, 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 you cannot you cannot expect to receive the blessings of God. God will not command His blessings upon our lives if we stay disconnected. We have to be connected. We can't put the head one place and the beard one place, the face one place, and the shoulder and all, you know, what? We, we have to be connected, and we have to be in unity and in strength, okay? It is, it's like a precious ointment, okay? And, and then look at, at verse 3. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew of 
that descended from up, that descended. To descend means to come from up, okay? Um, um, descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings, commanded the blessing. What blessing? Whatever you want, the blessing. Bless my life, Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless and praise his holy name. What blessings are we asking the Lord for? We say these things, but we, we actually just are repeating words. But here the Lord said that he commanded the blessing. What? Even life forevermore. Even life forevermore. That's a blessing to know that you have life forevermore. And, in, and, and not necessarily... Or we could look beyond the fact that you're talking about eternal life in the kingdom of God, but we're talking about living here on this earth. There's some things God has stored up for us, waiting for us to receive, okay? But we must, we must come together in unity and in strength. Again, our first scripture is Psalm 133, 1 to 3, okay? So, Okay, um, the, the key to releasing the anointing is by dwelling together in unity, okay? Um, and, and, and we prove that by reading that it says, after all from Aaron's bed flow down upon the body, that's the key to it. And when we together, we, if, if the leg is one place and the arm is one place, it, it's not going to flow together. We have to be together in unity, in unity. That is important. Uh, and let me say to you, my brothers and sisters, the body, wherever there is a disconnected body, um, you have a disconnected relationship. Believe that, a disconnected connected relationship. We need, we need the body to come together in gathering so we could be in a, in a good relationship. Uh, that is a corporate relationship. Everyone in the body of Christ should be in relationship. One group shouldn't be against this group and that group. You shouldn't have cliques in the church. That's what I'm saying. You shouldn't have the pastor, daughter, you know, um, can't get along with the assistant pastor, um, niece, or whatever the case may be. You can't have cliques. You must have a corporate relationship, and you must have a corporate demonstration in in the working of God in, in the church. Whenever you are together, you can see the demonstrations of God happening. You could see, you could have one destiny. You have one vision. You have, um, um, my wife and I was talking the other day, we were talking about how can we be, um, how could we, how could a wife be subject, subject, I think that's the statement, subject to a husband. Um, oh, no, that's not what We are one. One, I can't remember how it went. I probably will remember that at the end of the night before we're done. But in essence, what you're saying that uh, we are one in Christ, but yet still we have a we have different um, um, ministry. We have different um, assignment, but yet we are one in Christ. We working for one common. The the ends must justify the means. So in church, in church, just like a husband and wife. Um, has different ideas and different hearts and different feelings, and but yet still um, there must be a common ground to come to an understanding and because at the end of the day, they're working for one common cause. So it is in the church. At the end of the day, it is to glorify God. Yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. At the end of the day, it is to bring glory to his name. 
not not what you want, not not what you need, but the glory, the glory to His name. We must work in unity. That takes us to our second scripture, Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four. So again, I'm showing you where we must have a corporate relationship. Um, we must be corporate in demonstration and corporate in destiny. Have the same goals set, same purpose. We. And and our the the primary objective of ministry is to win souls, not to build churches. Okay, not not to have great um, congregation, but to win souls all over the world. You, you don't have to have a pulpit to win souls. You don't have to have a place to preach to win souls. But you just obey God's commandment, go into all the world. And I will get into that a little bit later. Okay, again, um, let's go to Acts chapter four, verse. 31 to 35. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 to 35. And it reads thus. Well, um, do I need to wait? Are we all there? Okay, okay, okay. I think we are there. Okay, well, let me find it first. <laughs> okay, Acts 4, verse 31 to 35. And it reads this. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Look at look at the terms they they they, and when they had prayed, not when he prayed or not when she prayed, when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they speak the word of God with boldness. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see corporate anointing there? Do you see corporate brothers there? Do you see corporate assembly there? Every, just about every line of in, inside this sentence here, it deals with, or oh, in, this, in this passage of Scripture, it, it deals with they, 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 they. Not him, not her, okay, but they. Look at verse number 32. And the multitude of them, there you go, of them that believe were of one heart. How could a multitude of them be of one heart? Okay, if it's a whole multitude. In other words, they were together. They were with one accord. They had the same destiny in mind, same goal set in mind. Their mind was on Christ. Okay, say they were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. He didn't even look. They didn't look. Oh, this is mine. This is my anointing. This is my gift. This is, you know, no. It wasn't, they, they, but they had all things common. Had all things common. The word common here means together. They shared. They, 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 they believed that they, can, they should help one another. Okay, so the bottom line here, saints of God, the bottom line here is, when the church come together, when 
the body of sins come when they come together, some things can happen. What can happen? Look at it, verse thirty three. And with great power give and with great power give the apostle witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon all of them. All of them. All of them, not just one person having grace, not just one person being blessed, but all of them, all of them. When you're, when you're together, saints of God, when you're working in unity, when you're working with one common cause, you can accomplish some things. When you work against each other, you're not going to accomplish anything. You're going to end up, you're going to end up failing, setting yourself up for failure. Okay, so it is important for you to realize and understand that, that together, okay, the anointing of God works better as a corporate because God is God. Is God. You have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is one. He, he is one God. The body of Christ is one body, okay? So we have to act. We have to have the likeness of God, okay? If he, if he demonstrates himself as Father and demonstrates himself as Son, demonstrate himself as Holy Ghost, but yet he is one God? Why then can't we as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, deacons, lay members, saints of God, why can't we be one? Why can't we act as one? Why can't we serve God in, 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 the, in one spirit? Or why we always have to be um, fighting or competing against each other? Why we have to try to outdo the other brother or the other sister? Well, it could very well be that we have not tasted of the kingdom of God. Okay? Um, our next scripture, it says of God, next scripture is Acts chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. Okay? Acts chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. And it reads this. But when they believe Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They will, they, they, they go, they will baptize both men and women. Now, this is important here. Um, it's a both men and women. The reason why the apostle um, um, Luke had, had made mention both men and women here is because it's changing the cultural setting of the church. Many years before this, or even back in the old Old Testament, back in Isaiah, Jeremiah time, women had no part in the temple. Women had no part in the working um, of the of the ministry, out, other than going in and probably uh, sweeping the temple or make sure the priest robes are clean, whatever the case would be. But she had no part. Now God is saying that. Um, she has a part. She is very important into the into the ministry. So Luke, Luke identified this by saying both men and women. That is to let you know that the women has a, uh, an important part, a role to play in the kingdom of God in the church. Not like some brothers would try to say that women has no place in the church because they 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 just don't have. The gospel. They don't know the word of God, so they have to. Um, they don't know who they are. Matter of fact, um, they fighting themselves. I can't fight a woman who is anointed of God and filled with the Holy Ghost because I'll fight. Be fighting myself because the same God that is in her 
is inside of me. Amen, somebody. So, so, so again, it says, and the name, I'm sorry, in the name of Jesus Christ, they will baptize both men and women. Verse 13, then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and, and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So this is important. <coughs> Excuse me, saying. So this is important for you to realize, again, that um, um, together, okay, not just one person receiving it, men and women, boys and girls. Uh, if you look in Acts chapter 1, it was 120 um, of them that assembled together and was in the upper room waiting. And then on the day of Pentecost, uh, when when the Holy Spirit descended, and Peter actually preached the, the, the first message, um, 3,000 souls get saved. Now in, now in the third and fourth chapter, you had another 5,000 souls get saved. Now in the eighth chapter, you have multitudes. The multitudes was great. Okay, why? Because they were of one mind and one heart. They were doing the things that God had called them to do. Okay, they were not trying to outdo one another, but they, they were witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they walked with God. They talked with him. And so now he had went back to his kingdom. They, they know for sure that um, there is but one God. He said, Jesus said to them, matter of fact, um, this that man will know that he are my disciple. Why? Because he have love one for another. So, again, my brothers and sisters, um, it's not an individual anointing. It's not an individual ministry, but it is a corporate anointing. That is the um, exhortation there on anointing, and I think I've ex- exhausted that pretty well. So um, we're going to go on to our next area of fatherhood, but before we do, um, are there any questions or any um, um, suggestions, please? Are there any questions? Do we have anyone there in the study tonight? I'm here. That's one. I'm here. <laughs> okay. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Let's go to the next to the next topic: fatherhood in the in the corporate body in the church. Why is it important? Why is it important to have father, uh, fathers in the body? First of all, um, when you when when you looking at the family structure, when looking at the family structure, um, there must be someone, and that someone is the father that God had placed with that responsibility um, to bring forth discipline. That's one to bring forth caring, um, welfare um, to um, to support. Um, um, in some other areas, you can mention things you can mention, but I'm thinking about support, um, um, security, um, discipline, and many other things. And that those things come through the father, um, but it's inside the church. It's a little bit more intense than that. Just a little bit more intense. 
Okay, fatherhood is an important um, earmark of, uh, it brings, in other words, it brings stability. Father's supposed to bring stability in, in, in the home, in the church. Father's supposed to bring stability to congregation. Okay, um, it, it, it mature, bring maturity to the saints. Okay, and it's seizing them. A father is supposed to season them. So the nature of fathering is to season. It's to, I, I spoke with uh, my bishop the other day, and he just, the simple words he would say to me would make so much sense to me. Just a few words. Okay, that's, that's the nature of a father. He, he speaks very little less, but what, whenever he speaks, whatever word, he is saying um, it makes much sense, and it changes the course of certain things. So, father is to bring stability. Okay, um, um, father is to bring maturity um, to mature um, his congregation. The sons of God just have a father pouring to his his natural born sons and daughters. So he must do it also in the church. Okay, the nature then of leadership, okay, should be fatherhood. That's very important for you to understand. The nature of of leadership in the church is fatherhood, fathering. Now, does that mean mothers cannot be in leadership? No, that doesn't mean that. Okay, um, for um, again, she will, and on most time, there in most churches today, you look around, there are more mothers or, or women in leadership role than men because half of the men are out on the street, okay? But um, that doesn't make her a father. That does not make her a father. I believe, and this is, I, I don't see this in the Bible, but this is my personal um, belief, and I feel that I can make this because of my relationship with God, uh, that if there is a mother in a church or and she is leading, Whenever God provided a father, she should give place to that father to bring the fatherhood stability in the church. Um, because, again, it's not her church. It's not his church. It's God's church. So it's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to understand that. Okay, so, again, fatherhood is an important mark of, uh, in the church. It, it produces stability, uh, maturity. Um, it's ceasing the signs of God and make them uh, more stable. Um, and, and I'm talking about a real man. Now, not a man with a, a, a jelly backbone, okay, uh, but a real man. Um, spiritual, spiritual father is, is um, not to consider um, or to put people in bondage. You know, I've seen most churches, and I remember growing up, you know, when I, I came out of uh, out of a denomination, and I'm not calling any name, but out of a denomination, and I, 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 to me, I think it was just a joke. It, you know, it was just so much legalistic things from the local pastor. You couldn't, I couldn't wear short pants. I couldn't um, wear my arm out. Um, sisters couldn't wear um, shoes with the toes out or the heels out. And, you know, on and on and on and on, so much legalistic things. It's Fatherhood is not to bring bondages, okay? It is to bring um, stability and cease in that person. And yet they're free in the spirit. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, not bondages, not, not to be um, 
um, not to be uh, afraid and, and intimidated, okay, um, because what the, what my pastor's going to say or what he's thinking. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, um, verse 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, okay, and it says, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Okay, this, this uh, Paul is saying, um, you know, in churches today, everyone want to instruct you. Everyone want to say, do this and do that. Everyone want to teach Sunday school. Uh, every 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 quarter they switching over. They switching over because if you don't do it, someone is going to quit. Someone is going to leave. But see, that is a, that is a sign of competition. That's a sign of competing and comparing. I believe that if if God had placed a teacher in a local assembly, uh, that he or she should teach until God um, um, his or her assignment is up. I don't think we should be switching and changing over just because we want to please this person, that person. Why can't this person or that person sit and receive the word of God, okay? Why are there so many instructors, okay? There's no father. There's no stability. The word instructor uh, um, means that people are just receiving things, but they're not receiving any stability, okay? Fathering brings stability, Fathering is not here today and gone tomorrow. Fathering is not for one quarter and the next quarter someone else. No, fathering is is, is for stability. Father is someone who is anchored, who is who is bringing again structure. Okay, and this is what this is what Paul is saying. Okay, and Paul is saying in, again, for though we have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have we not many fathers. Okay, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. So, again, um, look at verse 16. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Okay, who are you following? Okay, um, is it is just an instructor or someone who just thinks because they could quote a scripture and, and maybe they may have been in the church a little longer or in that assembly a little longer than you have been, and because of that, they feel that they are the one who to teach and stuff like that. No, that doesn't, but it's the anointing on that person to teach. Did God anoint that person with the word to teach? Okay, and if not, he or she shouldn't be teaching. So fatherhood here again is someone who brings stability, who brings mature people and, and season them with salt, Salt in their life simply means that they um, they have structure, um, they have um, a wisdom um, to make decisions. They're salt, okay, okay. And so again, we don't need much um, instructors. We need fathers. And that's very important. So spiritual father is 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 not to put you in bondage. It's not to lord over you. But it's to bring a loving grace, okay, um, which we can receive, whether we are sons or daughters, and where we can grow in maturity, okay, by precept, you know, um, 
by examples, um, by demonstration. The, um, and that's what I love about my bishop. You know, he he would give examples, and then he would demonstrate, you know, um, precepts upon precepts, examples by examples, demonstrations by demonstrations, you know. Um, so, again, fatherhood would, would allow individuals to, to grow, would allow individuals to, to, to build themselves, to see who they are, to, to, to walk away from the spirit of intimidation, okay, um, so bec- and allow them to advance to, um, we call it training and development, okay, um, uh, sit down and receive of God, learn of God. Fathers would know when it's time that's for you to go out there. Father would know when it's time. A father would know when it's time for you to to face the world when you're ready to face the world. Just like a natural father, know when it's time when his son is ready to go out there in the world. He knows, okay, because um, he he walked that road before, okay. So again, it's important for you to have a spiritual father over your over your life. Someone who can bring stability with good integrity, not just giving you instructions, but living it by examples and demonstrations. Okay? Okay. Um, let's move on to our next. Are there any questions or any um, suggestions, please? Okay. If not, we got to. We have about um, 15 minutes left. Um, we're going to go on to um, the next topic, which is the kingdom assignment, um, corporate kingdom assignment. I've heard this um, word bounce around so uh, often in the in the church and from different ministers that sometimes I even hate to talk about it because we I think it's just a catchphrase to people, the kingdom. Kingdom assignment, kingdom duty, kingdom principle, apostolic kingdom, prophetic kingdom, and on and on and on. But um, I, I want to take a different twist on it, okay, about dealing with the kingdom. The message of the king and his kingdom, I would refer it to, okay. Um, if there is a kingdom, there must be a king, okay. Um, how then, or what it's all about. And to me, I think it is about restoration, um, reformation, um, about um, increasing in my daily um, walk with God. And it has nothing to do with a position or with a title in the kingdom of God. If you look in in the book of Acts 28, and we're not going there now, I'm just giving you that, Acts 28, 30, and 31, um, you'll see where the advancement of God's kingdom um, produces government on the earth. The advancement of God's kingdom produces government on the earth. In the church, uh, in the church, okay, if you have a balanced ministry, I believe that I believe that every every church or or, or every governmental areas in the earth of today should have a born again Christian in it, either as a, as a manager, a CEO, supervisor. Because he or she needs to to bring the kingdom of God, needs to bring the kingdom of God in the earth. Okay, and 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 individuals and the human beings and their people are there. So we we need 
we don't need to keep the kingdom of God just in the church, but but we need to take it into into the world so that we could change the world for the kingdom of this world had become the kingdom of our God. Okay, so we have to change that. We have to we have to take that. Um, from the world and change it into that which God wanted to be. Now, that sounds kind of uh, uh, crazy, but the bottom line is that um, when we are, when we are in, in churches today and all we do is just raise offering and, and preach to one another, and you know, don't, don't lie. Don't you get tired of that? Aren't you just tired of um, every, I mean, every this Sunday is the same thing? Um, Tuesday, same thing. Thursday, the same thing. And we teach over and over, say the same thing over and over, and no advancement, no growth, no development. We don't see the daycare being put in. We don't see the child um, um, department being put in. We don't see youth department put in. We don't see um, the grocery stores. We don't see the medical center. We don't see the educational center. All of these are a part of God's structure. Why is it that it's only in the world? Why then? But why then is that only um, those that don't know Christ um, are head of these areas, head of government, head of Congress, head of head in the Senate? They're all non-believers. They are Muslims and different religions, but not born again Christians. Why is that? Because we have been taught over the years that um, we don't we don't need to get involved in things like that. We just need to stay where we are and keep believing in our little old poor ministry, and the Lord sure enough will bless you. But see, that, that, that's, that's a deception from the enemy. That's a deception from the enemy. God had called us to be kingdom-minded. When Jesus walked this earth, he, he, he turned over um, money table changes, and, and, and he said, you know, uh, you know uh, my father's house was supposed to be this, and you made it that. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to change it to what it's supposed to be. And from that, he went onto the on, onto the mountain and he said, um, "Blessed are the the peacemakers, or blessed are yeah the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. The earth. How can we inherit the earth if we're not honestly, if we're not truly fighting for it? Are we not working for? We're not doing anything to gain it." Okay, uh, we could only receive it if we work for it. We could only change some things if we actually put ourselves in the place to be there. Educate yourself, okay? Advance yourself, okay? That's the kingdom of God. That, that's, it's, it's not just preaching and, and, and raising and offering, but the kingdom of God, again, is the advancement of God's government on this earth. Okay, Isaiah 9 and 7. Let's look at Isaiah 9 and 7. Isaiah 9 and 7. And that will bring a little light on what I'm saying here. But again, Isaiah 9 and 7 says, Of the increases of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Don't tell me God don't want to do it. God will give you zeal to perform it. Okay? It will be no end. It will be no, the increase will be no end. 
it, it, and there is, I mean, it, it's limited to what, what you can have in God on this earth. As long as you seek ye first the kingdom of God, it's limited of what you can have. You don't tell me God don't want to have it, and he says right there, increase it shall be no end. So then why is it that the kingdom of God is not visible in the church today? Yeah, I know, I know we're in church, but the kingdom of God is not visible. How many, how many physicians do we have in our local churches? I mean, how many pediatricians we have? How many gynecologists we have? How many um, neurologists we have? How many bone specialists we have? Uh, and on and on. How many professors, how many scientists do we have in our churches, okay? Are, you, are we saying that the gospel is just limited to men and women who do not walk in these professions? No, it's not limited to that, but that's the way we, that's the way we were raised, and that's the way, way we believe, and, and so we limit ourselves to what we have. But we shouldn't limit ourselves to those things because um, God said, we, you know, we, anything we want, we can have. Okay, anything more we can have. Okay, um, Matthew five. Look at Matthew five. It's in verse number ten. Blessed are they which are persecuted. For, I'm sorry, not verse ten. Um, go back up to verse number four. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. The earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And verse nine. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So, so all of these are blessings upon us, but we 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 fail. We fail to 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 accept it by limiting ourselves to that which we have learned in the past. Okay, so again, kingdom, okay, has nothing to do, my brothers and sisters, with um, 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 a position, but it all has something to do with the advancement of God's governments on the earth. Look at Psalm 145. Psalm 145 is another scripture we can look at. At Psalm 145. If I, I'm turning there, just work with me. Psalm 145 and verse 11 through 13. And I'm not going to go through all of it, but I'm just going to read a couple of those verses. Okay? Okay. Um, 40, 145, 11 through 13. And it says, they shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of man his mighty acts and the glorious majestic majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. Okay? So, so again, okay, God, he said... Um, they shall speak of the glory of that kingdom and talk of its power. What, what do you mean speak of it and talk of its power if we're not in a position, okay? We talk about the economy. We talk about all the murders that is going on. We talk about all the crime that is going on. We talk about the injustice that is taking place. What about the kingdom of God? What about his power? Why can't we establish that on earth? Why can't we produce the glory of God, Okay. 
Well, I'll tell you why, because we are afraid, and we don't know what we, we, we really don't have the relationship with God to be able to speak these things, but we should have it in our mouth. We should, we should be ready to give an answer to, to any questions that is asked of us. We should be ready to change um, the status of this earth, change the status of people and, and the condition of our society. Why? Because we are kingdom children. We are kingdom kids. Again, kingdom has nothing to do with position, but it has all to do with the advances of God's governments on the earth. One more scripture I can give, it, but the kingdom would be Acts 28. Acts 28. Uh, Acts 28, verses 30 to 31. Acts 28, 30 to 31. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in under him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, and with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Isn't that amazing? He preached the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. How did he do it? With confidence. That's maybe, that may be one of the reasons why we don't do it. We don't have confidence. We're afraid that, um, we're afraid that an atheist is going to, Gonna show us up. We're afraid that the other religions, the non-Christian religion, is gonna show us up. We're afraid that the Muslims gonna show us up. Okay, we don't have the confidence. Okay, we don't we don't have the confidence in what we say or what we believe in. But if you have confidence in what you believe in, you would not be afraid to speak the word of God. You would not be afraid to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. Are there any questions? Okay, well, we have eight more minutes if there are no more questions. If there are no questions, matter of fact, um, let us continue with the prophetic realm in the church um, as a body. Now, everything that I've been saying to you or giving you had to do with the corporate body, okay? Everything with the corporate body. Remember, fatherhood is in the corporate body. Kingdom terminology is in the corporate body because God wants us to not only be in the church, but it'll impact the earth. And I, I know I'm not going to get there tonight, but I need to say go into all the world, and I need to say go into Jerusalem, be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Armas. So we're not going to get there tonight, but I would show you um, in the future where um, all of this tied in to be a corporate body. Okay, okay. the next one we're talking about is the prophetic realm. Okay, what, what, what am I talking about a prophetic realm? Okay, in the early church, um, Father Church, the first time we see prophetic realm taking place is in the fifth chapter, in the fifth chapter of Acts. The fifth chapter of Acts. Now, this is a very important chapter in the, because the church was young. The church was very young. And um, we have what we have here in this chapter is, is false humiliation of false submission. Um, they were acting as, um, and also before I say what I have to say, this in this chapter is the first funeral service in the church recorded, the first funeral service in the church recorded, and um, the, the deception of Satan uh, actually began to take place in the church here. Okay, and so 
um, God had to, in every in every area of Christian life, or in every um, dispensation, or every um, in every season, I, like, I think that's a better word for us to use. In every season, um, there's an assignment that God has. So what he what he would do in one season, he would not do it in the other season. So that may be one of the reasons why he was wondering why things didn't happen. It's not happening today like it happened the other day or the other day or the other day. Is because it is not for today. He's doing something else. Okay. Um, when you look in when you look in in the book of in in, in chapter one of Acts, um, you see something they call quality, the quality of the church. The quality of the church. They had to set the church up the way God wanted to set up the quality of the church. And that was very good. It was important. Peter um, got them together and said, we need to um, select another man to take the place of Judas. Okay, that's the quality, the quality of the church. Okay, and then when we go into the second chapter, okay, 3,000 souls got saved. Now you have quantity, quantity in the church, okay? Because they had good quality, a good and quality I mean standard. Every church ought to have a good standard. Every church, I mean, if there's no standard in a church, okay, um, then you're going to have good quality. Okay, I mean, the quantity is going to be messed up. So in the second chapter, you have quantity. Then in the third chapter, you have quality again. You went back to quality. Now that's where Peter and John going up to the temple, and, and, and then the healing took place. So uh, the quality, that's shown for the, the standing of God, shown for the greatness of God, the power of God, the quality of, of, of the merchandise, if I should say that. Um, it, it, it warranted. It's the durability of it. It's good. The quality of the gospel that Peter was preaching, bringing forth healing, that was for that season. That we go in the fourth chapter and get quantity again because more were added to the church, more and on and on and on, quality, quantity. Now here in the fifth chapter, in the fifth chapter, um, which is the prophetic chapter of Acts, something took place. You see, the quality was be- beginning to, to get discarded. The quality was, was beginning to get de- deceived. Deception took place. Why? Because now um, men and women wanted to, you know, actually Satan was doing this. And I don't have time to go into that, um, what Satan really was doing, because it was a deception. If you look in the 36th verse of the 4th chapter and the 7th, 36 and 37, it says that, And Josie, who by the apostle was surnamed Barnabas, which was being which is being interpreted the sons of consolation, a Levite um, of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and bought the money and laid it at the apostle's feet. Okay, um, which was a good thing to do. Now there were some brother, there was a family in the church. Okay, a husband and a wife by the name of Ananias and Sapphira, which is in the fifth chapter. They saw. Um, the uh, claim that um, Barnabas received, and they said, "Oh my, we want some of that. We want to, you know, we 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 want to put." But they didn't want to give everything. They want to pretend that they gave everything, but yet receive the praise from the apostles to say that we laid it all at the apostles' feet. You see the deception. Now, 
This is an early church. This is an early church. And it was glorious. The quality was good. And but, so Satan didn't want the quality to continue. He didn't want it to be that way. So now he has to, let me tell you something, a church is not destroyed from outside. It is destroyed from within, okay? Deception takes place inside a church. You have rotten people in churches. You have leaders in churches who know that um, someone is not living right, yet they put them in positions and places and they destroy the quality of the church, the quality of the church, okay? And so when this happened, um, then the quantity began to, to, to fall off. People began to leave the ministry, began to leave the church, and so on and later you find out that um, this one started that church, and that one started their church. They have this religion, that ministry. Why? Because of a deception that took place with one group, Ananias and Sapphira, Okay. Now, how, let, let's look at this and see, and then we'll end with this. It says, but a certain man, this is the fifth chapter of Acts chapter 1, verse 1, I am sorry. But a certain man named Ananias, which fire his wife, sold a possession, sold it was theirs, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy or um, aware to it, and bought a certain part and laid it at the apostle's feet. But Peter said, Ananias, see the prophetic coming, the prophetic reign. Ananias, watch this. Why has Satan filled that heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Oh, oh. But, but I, I thought he was talking to, to Peter. I thought um, he was in front of Peter, okay? Uh, we weren't even going to that. Um, and to keep back part of the price of the land. While it remained, was it not your, thine own? And after it was so, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Now watch, 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 the, watch the quality. Watch the quality of the church, okay? Watch the quality of the church. Watch how great God is. Watch what is called swift judgment. This has nothing to do with, with church um, 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 uh, um, oh, 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 what, what is the word I want to find? Church, um, not judgment, um, um, chastisement, okay? Well, the past thing, uh, do no chastising here, oh, you know, but this is now quick judgment, okay? Thou hast, listen, hast not lied unto man, but unto God. It's a prophetic. How there's, there's no way, uh, Ananias, I believe he stood there and said, there's no way this man could have known that. How did he know this? Okay? And Ananias, hearing these words, what happened? Fell down. Before he could say anything, before he, before he could open his mouth, he hearing the word, he fell down and give up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young man arose and wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. I believe, uh, you know, let me tell you, if, if um, my brothers, if I, I believe if this was happening in this season and time, every church on this in in United States would have had a mug in the bottom, in, down in the basement, and they would have had some type of, of undertaker on hand every day because there's so much lying going on in the church. There's so many deceptions going. On. They would have been falling dead by the dozens. Matter of fact, you wouldn't have had much to to be buried because they all would have been dead. 
Okay, so so, but that's the prophetic realm. And and look at verse number seven. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in, and Peter answered unto her, "Tell me whether he sold the land for so." In other words, now Peter's given her a chance. Peter's given her a chance to repent, given a chance to do what is right. But she didn't know what happened to her husband. She didn't know that she, you know, it is prophetic, okay? Um, then Peter said unto her, how is it? I'm sorry, let's go back to verse 7. And and it was about a space of, of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whether he sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Yes, yeah, we did, for so much. Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold the feet of them which have buried thy husband at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. Where did she fell? At his feet. That's where the offering was supposed to be put, at the feet of the apostle. Well, my brothers and sisters, we're going to stop there for tonight. I think we have um, um, come to the end of our study for tonight, and it's 9.03. Are there any questions or any um, concerns or any suggestions? Okay. Since there are no questions, there are no concerns, no, no suggestions, we will end there for tonight. And I will pick up from the seventh verse, or the eighth, no, I'm sorry, from the ninth verse. We'll pick up from that on next week. Um, we will end our study with a word of prayer, please. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your many blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the teaching of your word tonight. We appreciate your Holy Spirit for giving us the understanding of your word and help us now, Lord, to make application to our lives, oh, Lord, and help us to obey your word, not help us not only to be um, hearers of your word, but also doers of your word. Father, we praise you, we thank you, we glorify you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good night to saints. We'll see you next week. Blessing on you.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.